Our second lesson today comes from the first chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. Listen, keep listening for God's Word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah. And greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Mary was filled with the and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. In these Sundays leading up to Christmas, it seemed appropriate for us to focus on some characters of Christmas. So today, the focus is on this story where we have Gabriel, the angel, and Mary. And in another Sunday before Christmas, we'll look at Joseph. Gabriel is indeed the best known of all the angels in all the Bible. He appears four times in the Bible, all four times by name, two times in Daniel and two times in the Gospel of Luke. In all these appearances, Gabriel does what angels do. Speak a message from God. In Luke 1... Gabriel appeared just a few verses before our little passage today, uh, before Zechariah, when Zechariah was in the sanctuary. Zechariah was filled with fear. The angel said, do not fear, Zechariah. That message is the most common word from all the angels in all the Bible. Do not fear. 
And then Gabriel announced to the priest, Zechariah, that day in the sanctuary, that his wife Elizabeth would bear a son named John. Zechariah, in shock, said, How could this be? I'm an old man, and my wife is getting beyond in her years. And Gabriel identified himself and said, I stand in the presence of God, and God has sent me to speak this word to you. Angels, of course, are messengers of God. The very word angel means that, messenger of God. Karl Barth, the great Swiss theologian of the last century and perhaps one of the most uh, prolific writers of our particular tradition, the Reformed tradition, wrote almost 300 pages on angels. Barth wrote this, quote, Where God is, there the angels are. Where there are no angels, there is no God. Perhaps much of this talk about angels perplexes us. We remain unsure, maybe, what to believe these days about angels. But even John Calvin, that stoic father of Presbyterianism, said this, angels are, quote, dispensers of the divine beneficence toward us. Angels regard our safety. Angels undertake our defense. Angels direct our ways. Angels exercise a constant solicitude that no evil befalls us. I suspect that some of us here have experiences that we might describe when we know that God was indeed present and that God's angels were present. Angels watching over us, angels guiding us, angels caring for us, maybe even angels speaking a word to us that we needed to hear, a word to encourage us or direct us. And then there are others of us who might have experiences when there was no angel present, when tragedy came so powerfully into our lives, and we have questions and doubts and confusion about that. Where were God's angels? This is all the mystery. This is all the uncertainty of faith. We believe, and yet we have questions and doubts and desires for answers and maybe desires for more of God's angels present around us. Our passage today says this. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Gabriel comes on the scene with a greeting. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. That's what our text says. What's missing in this translation is is an important point. Gabriel doesn't just say hello to Mary. Gabriel actually says, Rejoice, the Lord is with you. Rejoice, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The first word of the angel's greeting is the Greek word for joy. It's the same word that the angels speak to the shepherds in the fields on the hillside that night. When they come to announce the birth of the Savior, they say, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Gabriel's 
Greeting is not the traditional shalom or hello, but chare, the Greek word for joy, which is setting the tone for all that Gabriel is going to say. Rejoice. It reminds us that in the coming of God, the coming of love and peace and light and all the things that these candles represent, all that comes through Christ, the first message is rejoice, joy. Gabriel then goes on in his little message to Mary to convey the fullness of this joy. Do not be afraid, Mary, he says, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive, and you will bear a son, and his name shall be Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. This is all what Gabriel says. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That's the reason for the joy. All of this is known as the Annunciation, the announcement of the angel Gabriel to Mary. But it's not just an announcement. It is the affirmation that a new world order is coming into being. It is a proclamation that the world now has a different trajectory toward the reign of God that will be forever. That's what Gabriel's saying. In fact, Gabriel sums up in a few sentences what the whole story of Jesus is actually about. The Most High God becomes human. His name will be Jesus, which means God saves. A more appropriate name couldn't have been imagined. Through Jesus, we find salvation and life, not just a way to live, but the way to life with a capital L, the way to fullness and hope and joy and peace and possibility and purpose, the way to the kingdom of God. We find our way through Jesus. And his kingdom, it will reign forever. That's what he says. So Gabriel is the messenger of God who announces God's plans for the world. And he begins with a simple reminder to all of us. Do not fear. Do not fear. See, God cares so much that God comes in Jesus, He comes to save, and His kingdom will be forever. We need to hear this message. I tell you, I need to hear it. In my heart, across my family, across this city, we need to hear this. Across the world today, we need to hear it. And maybe we can hear this message by looking afresh at how Mary heard it. At how Mary heard it. Notice, first, when Mary encountered Gabriel, it says, as expected, that she was perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. I think that's like the greatest understatement ever. (laughs) Perplexed by his words and pondered what this greeting might be. I think it probably ought to be translated with a bunch of expletives and exclamation points. Imagine the scene. Okay? But this word pondered is very interesting. It's a bit misleading, pondered. Sort of sit around and ponder. 
Actually, the Greek word is dialogistico, which means to use logic and it means to reason with intensity. What do you reason with intensity about? And how often does that happen in your life? Reason with intensity. That's what's going on in this passage, according to the text. So much of our life is filled with quick and thoughtless and opinions and responses. When do we really reason with intensity? That's what Mary's doing. It tells us that. She's doing, I think, what we would be doing if we encountered an angel. What? Think this through. Sort this out. Discern. How could this be? In fact... Most of us like to think of ourselves as quite rational. Most of us like to think of ourselves as scientific. And, you know, we're pretty smart. And we're going to ask hard questions. And we're going to use logic. And we're going to use reason. And we're going to demand some empirical evidence. Therefore, we probably would be suspicious of angels. We would likely be dubious of crazy ideas like this angel is conveying about finding favor with God. You kidding? Really? Uh, Becoming an agent of God's miracle in my life? Really? Even doubting that anything could be forever? Because that's what Gabriel's saying. This is going to be the trajectory forever. Moreover, we might assume that, you know, ancient people like Mary were probably superstitious and They would have no problem believing in the supernatural. We might assume that if an angel showed up on Mary's doorstep, uh, she would say, oh, hello, angel. What miracle do you have for me? What's the message from God? I'm ready. Not likely. Not likely. That is kind of arrogant and paternalistic perspective. Mary's not like that. In fact, Mary's probably a lot more like you and me. She does what we would do. Struggle. Doubt. And ask, how could this be? And here is more about Mary. She was Jewish. She had no sense in her worldview that the divine the creator of the universe, would ever become a human. That was beyond reasoning. Just as it might be to all of us. It was just as hard for Mary to believe this news as it would be for us. It went against her worldview. The creator, God of the universe, doesn't come into the womb of a girl. That was not the way God worked. So she struggles with this, as we would. Mary, with intensity and reason, tries to figure out what Gabriel is telling her. And notice what she says, especially after Gabriel has explained all that was going on, all that was going to happen, coming among us, God saving us, establishing his kingdom forever. Mary expresses her doubts. Here's what we know. A faith without doubt is not real faith. A faith that doesn't ask hard questions is not going to be a sustaining faith. 
See, Mary doesn't say, well, you're an angel, and this is all miraculous, so okay. No. Mary says what any rational person would say. How could this be? How could this be? How in the world can she have a child in this way that's going to lead to that? Now, there are seemingly two kinds of doubt. There are dishonest doubts and there are honest doubts. Dishonest doubts are both proud and cowardly. They show disdain. They show laziness. A dishonest doubt is to say, what a crazy idea. That's impossible. Or to put it more modern, that's stupid. Which is not an assertion. And it's not an argument. It's a way of getting out of hard thinking. It's a way of avoiding the complexities and avoiding the mysteries that we might encounter. That's stupid. Dismissive. But honest doubts, honest doubts are humble. Because they lead you to ask questions, not just put up a wall. And when you ask hard questions, it makes you vulnerable. When you ask hard questions, it opens up to new ways of thinking and new ways of being and new ways of living. And Mary's question to the angel actually asks for information and leaves her open to possibilities of a good answer that might change her worldview. Honest doubts are open to belief and to fresh insights, and to God's presence, and to God's mystery. And here's the best part, the best part. If Mary had not asked, how can this be? How can this be? If she hadn't asked that, expressing her doubts, the angel would have never, ever spoken that great word, which is one of my favorite passage lines, sentences in all of Scripture. Nothing will be impossible with God. Through the ups and downs of life, through the losses and pains of my own life, that statement has been so helpful, so encouraging, so comforting, so restorative. Through the questions and the mysteries that I've encountered, That statement has provided me with sincere assurance and hope. Nothing will be impossible with God. Do you notice the verb tense? It's future. Nothing will be impossible with God. It's a message from the angel to remind us that not just our present, but all of our unknown and undoubtedly Difficult tomorrows are covered by God. Not just the present, but all of the future, which is definitely going to be filled with challenge. It's covered by God. Nothing will be impossible with God. That's what inspires Mary to move from where she was to where she ends up in this story. Here I am. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. And then she goes off to see her relative Elizabeth. And as soon as she walks into the house of Elizabeth's with Zechariah, 
There's confirmation of what she experienced and confirmation of all that's happening. God is at work here bringing about this kingdom of God into the presence, this new trajectory. God is at work here with a mission to establish God's reign, and it's going to be forever. We may not know what's happening, but we must know that God is always at work in ways we can't see and we can't understand. That's what this story says to me. We may not always know how things are going to unfold. And we may have sincere doubts and real questions, but God is present and at work far beyond our comprehension and far beyond our expectations. And nothing, will be impossible with God. So along with Mary and seeking to drum up similar courage from the depths of our own hearts, we seek to open our hearts and trust our lives to God's care and we seek to live as faithful servants too. Here I am, servant of the Lord. What might that look like for you today? What might that look like for you today? Here I am, servant of the Lord. Can't always figure it out. But we trust nothing will be impossible with God. Like many of you, perhaps, I've been touched again recently by the pictures and the words and the life of Nelson Mandela, who died on Thursday. He was a great man who lived with courage and grace from prisoner to president. I had an encounter with Nelson Mandela. It was almost exactly 15 years ago. I went to Zimbabwe to attend the meeting of the World Council of Churches that was happening in Harare, Zimbabwe. And Mandela insisted on coming because the meeting was so close to where he was, coming and speaking to that gathering. I knew he was arriving in the afternoon. I knew where his motorcade was going to drive up. And because I had long held him as one of my heroes, I waited and watched to get a very close experience with Nelson Mandela. It was memorable for me. He got out of the motorcade, then he went on the stage at the World Council meeting, and he had one message that day. It was a message of gratitude. He had come all the way from South Africa to tell the gathering of the World Community Church, thank you. Thank you for nurturing him. Missionaries, the Christian faith, Christian-built schools, he said, That's what had shaped his life. He had come to say thank you. Thank you to the world Christian community that had a lasting effect on who he was and how he had lived. We never know what might happen to us. We never know where we find ourselves. But we know who is always with us. We never know what might unfold. We might not ever know what the future holds. But as the saying goes, we know 
who holds the future. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. So along with Mary and all those who have lived so well with courage and grace, let us seek to be open to God's coming and respond with courage and grace today and forever. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God, help our unbelief. And as we say with Mary, here I am, servant of the Lord. Amen.